Welcome to the York County Economic Alliance podcast series produced by Bold Creative Media. As York County's official Chamber of Commerce and Economic Development Organization, we're here as a resource center to connect you to specialized funding, business services, advocacy programs, and events to help you and your business thrive. Hello, everyone. This is Kevin Triber, President and CEO of the York County Economic Alliance, here with another series in our podcasts. Thank you for tuning in, and we certainly hope you found these as informative and enjoyable as we have uh, been making them. Today, we have two experts with us from Murray Securis, and the topic today we'll be covering, uh, probably a little weightier, but, but certainly important to everyone's business out there, is workers' compensation and all of the unexpected ways to improve your company's bottom line. And we want to thank the individuals from Murray Securis with us today. And for a brief introduction, we have Mr. Brandon Schumann, who is the Assistant Vice President of Commercial Solutions, and Miss Nikki Brandt, who is Account Executive for Commercial Solutions. So welcome and thank you for joining us today, guys. Yep, thank, thank you for having thank us. Thank you for having us. It's a pleasure. And why don't you very quickly give us a, a quick rundown of uh, who Murray Securis is and, and maybe a quick introduction of uh, who, who each of you are. Okay, Murray Securis is an employee-owned company founded in 1930, and we are the region's largest independent insurance broker, broker meaning that we represent a lot of different insurance companies, not just one company. Um, We offer solutions for risk management, insurance, health benefits, third-party administration, wealth management, and human resources consulting. In 2016, we were awarded Agency of the Year by Rough Notes Magazine, which is an industry publication dedicated to the insurance industry. Um, As far as myself, I've been in the insurance business since 2002 and with Murray Secura since 2008, so roughly about 10 years. I grew up in Lancaster County and spend most of my time in Lancaster and York counties helping businesses with their insurance needs. Awesome. Thanks again for being here, Brandon. Nikki. Um, I have been with Murray for just about two years now. Um, Prior to coming to Murray, I actually worked as an underwriter for two different insurance companies, so I was kind of the one behind the scenes, and I decided at some point that I wanted to be the one out with clients, so I kind of made the jump over to the dark side and uh, (laughs) haven't looked back. The dark side is based on perception alone, so it's purely subjective. (laughs) Um, Thank you guys for being here today, and thanks for uh, talking a little bit more to our audience about workers' compensation, and thanks for all your involvement in the York County Economic Alliance. Certainly, Murray Securis is well involved, but thank you guys, because I know you uh, are participative in a whole heck of a lot of our activities throughout the course of the year, so we, we do appreciate it. So, as we mentioned, we're going to talk and try to dive into workers' compensation and try to relate this to the business owners uh, or any individual that might be listening out there. And it it is certainly a a heady subject, and and unfortunately, you know, people can gloss over a little bit as we get into the weeds. But could you give us kind of a quick summary, brief overview of what workers' compensation is and what business owners really need to know about it? Sure. Uh, workers' compensation is a type of insurance coverage that fits in with a business's business insurance package. So that would typically include things like property insurance, general liability insurance, auto insurance for companies that have vehicles, um, workers' compensation, and sometimes umbrella insurance and other coverage lines. Um, the purpose of workers' compensation is to compensate employees who suffer job-related injuries and illnesses. Um, it's typically most the most expensive business insurance line of coverage that a business owns or business carries. Um, coverage is determined by the state and does not vary from one insurance company to the next, unlike most other types of insurance. So 
a workers' compensation policy will typically say, we will pay whatever the state of Pennsylvania tells us we have to pay, in so many words. Um, in Pennsylvania, workers' comp pays 100% of medical bills that uh, an employee sustains due to their injury and 66 and two-thirds percent of lost wages for their work-related injuries. And that's based on their average weekly wage for the time that they are off. Do you spend much of your time um, educating employers or is it really falling to the HR professionals out there that, that would follow a lot of the changes when changes occur in the workers' comp universe? Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's typically what we're doing. When we meet with clients, we'll help educate them on on the coverage that they need to have in place, and then we'll educate them on ways to save money on their workers' comp, control their costs, control claims, um, and help them achieve better results. That's that's really what we do. So naturally, if, if you're a business out there and you've got your insurance broker, um, go to them first to, to try to get some advice or just hopefully that they're keeping the business informed on if there are updates occurring to the law or just, again, court cases, anything that could impact it. Absolutely. So... So who needs it, really? So, uh, you know, in the in central Pennsylvania, in the business community, nonprofits, you know, whomever, but but who who really needs the workers' comp? So in essence, by law, anyone with employees has to have workers' comp. There's really no way around that. Um, some employers, um, we've seen um, particularly smaller ones, have tried to, um, in some cases, avoid carrying workers' comp because it can be expensive. And the way they try to get around that um, is by hiring subcontractors. Um, we had a breakfast conversation this morning talking to someone about that. We hear it all the time. Um, and in essence, there were some changes in 2011 um, the Construction Workplace Mis Misclassification Act, um, in effect of February of 2011, basically stated that an individual who is engaged to, pre to perform work um, for any uh, pay is subject to assessment of a variety of factors. And so basically they go through a whole laundry list of things, um, you know, there's a myriad of things, but things such as is there a written um, agreement in place between the individual and the um the GC or the employer, however you want to look at it, does the individual carry liability insurance with at least $50,000 limits? Could the individual realize a profit or suffer a loss from this job? Does the individual have a physical business uh, location separate from the hiring party's location? Um, has the individual worked for others doing the same kind of work, or are they exclusively working for this um, company? Um, do they supply their own materials, tools? Are they temporary or more permanent? Um, you know, how permanent is this kind of work? Things of this nature. Um, there's a lot of considerations in that. Um, and, and what happens is if an employer um, is looking at these folks as independent contractors and they really fall into the classification of subs, they're going to get hit with a huge additional premium at audit time because the insurance companies are looking at it. If they really are employees and they would be injured, they would certainly expect compensation under the workers' comp. And so the insurance company feels as though, hey, we're entitled to premium charge for that so they can get hit with a big audit at the end of the year um, if they haven't classified them correctly. So really, as you're working with your clients out there, are you advising them um, on a lot of these technicalities that they should be concerned about, they should be weary of, they should be aware of um, to be proactively um, protecting themselves or the company? 
Yeah, we are. I mean, we go through these things with them, things to consider, um, having good subcontractor agreements in place, making sure they understand what's an employee and what is a sub. I mean, there are legitimately subcontractors out there, but a lot of times what we're seeing is clients don't understand the difference. Um, and when you have a worker's comp premium, you're basically paying typically an installment plan throughout the year. Um, so it's better to have them classified as employees if that's in fact what they are because you're paying for it over the course of the year versus um, if they're actually subs and the end of the year comes around, the insurance company audits your policy, and you get this huge, you know, say $3,000 premium, you get 30 days to pay that. Hmm. So we'd rather have our clients have them classified correctly and have that time to pay for it versus getting walloped with this huge chunk um, at the end of the year. So it can really even be a benefit to cash flow perspective. Absolutely. So speaking of cash flow, what really determines how much you pay? I know there's probably several factors determining the premium for the business. Yes, there are several factors that determine what a business will pay for their workers' comp. Um, The main thing is the total payroll of the employees, which is then multiplied by a rate per hundred. Um, The state assigns class codes to a business based on the operations of that business. So if you are a manufacturing company, you would be assigned a manufacturing class code. And most businesses typically have employees that fit into um, a clerical class code, which would be their office staff, and then salespeople that are out and about selling. Um, So the state will assign the class codes, and then the payroll is allocated into each of those class code and multiplied by a rate per hundred. Um, the rate per hundred will vary depending on the type of operation. So if you're talking about a business, for example, that is doing roofing work, the rate will be extremely high because the chances of injury with roofing work are significantly higher um, as opposed to uh, a business that just has primarily office staff most likely they're not going to get hurt just walking around the office. So the chances are really low and thus they pay a much lower rate. Um, The other factor that plays into this is the claims history of a business. And that is um, shown on the policy through what's called an experience mod, an experience modification. Um, this, This rate is used to compare an employer with others in the same industry. So Um, Sticking with manufacturing, if you have uh, all of the manufacturing companies that are in the state of Pennsylvania, that experience modification will compare uh, one company to every other company doing the same type of business in the state of Pennsylvania. Um, The factor is, is a reflection of the company's total losses, which include reserves, and reserves are what the insurance company estimates that they may have to pay out on a given workers comp claim so we submit a claim to the insurance company and they'll evaluate it based on the severity of the injury and you know what would be the prognosis and expected recovery date um, and they will come up with an amount that they think they're going to have to pay in terms of medical bills and lost time wages Um, so they'll set a reserve so the experience modification is a measure of what are the total claim activities for a business for the last three years? Um, an experience mod of 1.00 means you are directly average with every other company that does the same type of business that you do in the state of Pennsylvania. Um, if you have less than one, it means you're better than average. It means you have lower claims results than what they would expect. And so you would achieve a credit on your policy. You would get a discount. If you have an experience mod that is over one, you will be getting a surcharge on your policy because your claims are higher than average. Um, 
this is the area that companies have the most control over, and it's what we spend a lot of time educating our clients about, uh, showing them how that is more critical to, to control what your experience mod is and your claims history is um, as compared to other ways of, of achieving reduced premiums. Is that experience modification adjusted annually, or is it over yes. the course of a couple years? Yep, every year that will be adjusted. Uh, the claims data is submitted from the insurance companies to the state, and then there's a very long formula that the state uses to calculate the experience mod. Um, again, based on the payroll that you had for the years that are um, included in the experience mod, the claims history, the claims volume that you had during that period of time, um, and then there's some other expected loss factors that are calculated, and, and they determine what the experience mod is. So employers really can directly in influence that modification, which ultimately means their premium through, and is, is that just you know generally through safety mitigation and you know, protocols that they're putting in place. Understandably, one employer could have an off year where for whatever reason they had, you know, more than their average share of accidents or something like that. Sure. Or God forbid something, you know, more cataclysmic. But but are, as you guys work with your clients, are you really actively counseling them that they can have that direct impact through the procedures that they put in place? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. I would, say, I would say that's where we spend most of our time um, through the risk management work that we do, mm -hmm. showing them how how they can really control claims. A lot of a lot of accidents that happen on the job are preventable. Um, obviously, you know there are going to be some that are not. There's just you know things that happen, uh, but most businesses can control uh, the losses that they're having through implementing safety practices. And we'll get into some of that a little bit later here. But that's um, that's what our goal is to help help employers reduce their workers' comp claims. So one other quick question too. So obviously it's industry specific when you're stacked up against your an average that's based across Pennsylvania. How about uh, payroll and employee count? So you know we may have a lot of small businesses out there that are um, twenty to fifty employees. You know FTE the equivalents. Mm -hmm. What about the very small employer that's maybe zero to ten employees? Mm -hmm. um, or does it matter if they're sole proprietor and they're you know a partner based organization uh, versus a direct employee count? Yeah, I mean it, it, again back to what Nikki had mentioned earlier. Any any business that has employees is going to be required to carry yeah. workers comp. Um, so. When you're you're smaller, if you have zero to ten employees, one claim can have a much more adverse effect on you than if you have fifty employees and you know a lot more payroll going into the calculation. So, um, I think it's even more critical when you're small to mm -hmm. to make sure that you're really educating your employees on safety and not getting hurt and making that a focus and a priority so that you can really help control your claims and and your ultimate cost. Gotcha. And and obviously speaking of cost. What might a higher than average worker comp uh, cost impact a business owner? What what would that really be? And I know that's probably a, a broad statement, and I'm sure you know it's common sense to some, but I'm sure there's a whole lot of details to that. Yeah, so it can have a huge um, a huge impact. I mean, two of the same company, um, in essence, could have uh, one could have a much greater competitive advantage over the other. You know, savings in this area can mean you know better price for your product that you're selling, higher salaries to your employees, which can help you attract and retain better employees. Um, you can more readily upgrade your facilities, your equipment, your vehicles, things like that. I mean, there's a whole bunch of things that I'm sure a business owner can imagine that they would do with you know savings in this area, and because it can be a 
substantial amount of money. The, the sky's the limit. Um, you know, for example, if we consider two, and uh, keep them with the manufacturing theme, let's say two uh, shoe manufacturers. So if we have ABC shoes and XYZ shoes, so let's say that XYZ shoes um, has had very favorable claims history and they generated an experience mile through the state of 0.80. And then we have ABC shoes who's had some above average claims activity and their experience mod they've generated through the state is 1.25. So pulling out all the other factors, just kind of boiling it down really simply, basically that's going to mean that ABC with that 1.25 is going to pay $12,500 a year for their workers' comp, whereas XYZ has earned that credit, they're going to pay $8,000. So pretty substantial chunk right there. And if you think about the difference between that you know, $4,500 and kind of multiply it out, if the profit margin is 10% for those two companies, um, you know, ABC would have to produce an additional $45,000 in revenue um, to recover that extra workers' comp expense. So obviously that puts them at a significant disadvantage over their competitor, maybe operating in the same uh, geographic area. So that actually does have a pretty significant, again, again, back to that experience modification that really, you know, it, it is possible to control those costs to some degree or another and, and has a direct impact on your bottom line. So you guys are the, in the industry. Mm-hmm. You're counseling your clients all the time. Is really shopping around the best way to get the best price? Actually, no, it's not. That's, that's really what we spend a lot of time educating clients on. Um, if you consider a general contractor in the construction industry, um, they would get quotes from various subcontractors uh, every year just to drive each of them down. At some point, the other subcontractors that are never being awarded the work are going to bow out and say, well, it's not worth doing this or taking the time to submit a bid because they're just using us to drive somebody else down. Um, the same is true in the insurance industry. If uh, you know, we submit an account to an insurance company, the same insurance company year after year after year. And every year they take, they spend hours going through the submission, preparing quotes, and, and many people are involved behind the scenes at the insurance company to do that. Um, and every year they never write the business. They, you know, eventually get to the point where, okay, you know, we've been down this road before, we don't really wanna, you know, we don't even wanna quote, and they'll get to the point where they'll just decline. Um, and I can, I can just kind of add to that. So I did the underwriter job for 10 years, and that's mm-hmm. 100% accurate. Um, we, have, we have, you know, there are companies out there who will go to not just their agent to have them market the program every year, but they will actually go to two and three other agencies, um, you know, across town and do the same thing. And what happens is the insurance company, you know, be it Travelers or Donegal or Penn National, whoever, they're seeing these submissions from various agents every single year. That's exactly what happens is they say, well, we never get this. These guys are just trying to shop for price. I mean, they're going to decline it to move on to the next one that I actually have a good chance of getting that business. Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to say, all right, well, we'll just throw out a price and it's high because they don't really care if they get it or not. They don't want to spend a whole lot of time because these guys are looking at, you know, your claim history, what controls you have in place, you know, asking a whole bunch of questions to really analyze the risk. I mean, they're in business to make money. So they want to say, okay, can we make money on this? Can we profitably write this guy's insurance? And if, you know, they're doing all this legwork trying to figure that out, and they never earn the business. That's exactly what happens is they just get it off their desk. So longevity definitely has um, some merit with with regard to that. Instead, so a business should focus on fixing the underlying issues that are creating the problem. Um, Adverse claims history and high mod equals less marketability and other pricing variables. So uh, 
if you have a favorable loss experience and a favorable experience mod, insurance companies are going to want to compete for your business. So if we send a submission out to five companies, all five may be very interested in writing that account because, back to what Nikki said, they know it may be profitable for them. Uh, there's other factors than just the experience mod that play into this. So insurance companies typically will have various pricing tiers. So uh, an insurance company may have three different uh, insurance companies underneath them that they would place business with. One may be very expensive, and then they'll have a middle tier, and then they'll have a really, um, really cheap tier. And so what tier they place you in, a lot of that has to do with how your loss experience has been. So if you've had no claims for many years, they're going to be more apt to put you in a cheaper tier, which means that rate per hundred that we talked about earlier is going to be much lower. So on top of having a lower experience mod, now you're also getting a lower rate. And then you add to that further, underwriters have what's called discretionary credits. Um, they can adjust the, the bottom line premium up or down 25% based on how they feel about the account. Um, or And there's other considerations there too. If it's a higher hazard type of risk, they may feel that they need more premium there and it'll be adjusted up to factor that. But um, that said, there are basically three different areas that having good claims history can affect in terms of the pricing on your policy. So, you know, as we sit today, we're in the month of October. Businesses are starting to put their budgets together for next year. They're looking at their health care calculation. How does all of this weigh in with health insurance, which certainly has been a very dynamic and ever-changing discussion at this point? But how does this play in? How does it correlate? And, and uh, again, how would you advise some of your clients? It's funny. We, you know, we exclusively, Brandon and I focus on the business insurance piece, but Murray has a dedicated, you know, team of health insurance experts. And we often go out thinking we're going to be talking about workers' comp and the subject of health benefits mm-hmm. come up because it's a much more, um, frankly, painful issue for everyone right now than, than what we do is. So it's often a driver of conversations, but they definitely go hand in hand. Um, you know, a lot of um, companies are offering their employees high deductible plans. So um, there definitely is the consideration that you know, workers' comp pays dollar one, whereas health insurance, you're going to have, if you have the high deductible plan especially, you're going to have that higher deductible you have to meet before you can, um, you know, f- feel the benefit of that. So um, there has been some instances we've seen where, you know, folks might be, say, a guy is, you know, Sunday afternoon working on his roof, working in his lawn, whatever, he pulls a shoulder muscle, going into the, the um, you know, f- work facility Monday morning and saying that he hurt his shoulder unloading a box or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so there definitely is some consideration with the 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 um, role that the insurance climate is kind of playing on both sides of that, with folks being more inclined to maybe be a little bit less honest. We, we think, think you know we don't want to think that that happens, but I'm you know we know that it is. Um, and the other thing too is a lot of companies that are smaller that aren't required to offer health insurance. We've seen that um, some of them hadn't been, and now some of them are starting to again because I think they're realizing that the um, the better employees are going to be attracted and retained by having a good um, comprehensive benefit program. So certainly that's going to help you to to get better and, and to keep better employees. So ultimately, this is a pretty weighty subject, but it obviously has such a, a critical impact on a business's bottom line, be it health insurance or workers' compensation. But specifically on workers' comp, what are some of the tricks of the trade? I mean, really, what what are the tools that you're advising 
uh, your clients on how to navigate this process because admittedly it is tricky and you know obviously it's it is a pretty heady subject. Sure. Uh, safety and risk management are key to controlling costs with workers' compensation. Um, we recommend implementing and enforcing written workplace safety programs and policies. Um, and it's more than just a written program. I think it's really, it starts at the top and it has to be something that is embraced from the top down uh, to set up a, a good safety program. And you have to educate employees on what working safely means. And and you know as well as I do, I've, you know, if, if it's not continually presented to you or continually enforced, um, you tend to forget things and you tend to start going back to whatever is the fastest, easiest way to get something done versus thinking, wait a minute, I need to take a step back and um, lift this box correctly or I need to ask somebody for help or I should use a cart instead of carrying carrying a heavy box. Um, we help our, our clients set up certified safety committees. So in Pennsylvania, you can achieve a 5% discount on your workers' comp policy if you have a certified safety committee. Um, what that means is you have to hold monthly safety meetings and take minutes um, you have to have uh, representation from management and representation from the rest of the employee body um, in order for it to be considered a qualified committee. Um, where that benefits a company is that during those monthly meetings, they will discuss issues that they've seen throughout the course of the past month, um, things that need to be addressed from a safety perspective. And then they'll present that to management and hopefully get things corrected so people don't get hurt moving forward. Um, take advantage of resources available to you through your agent or insurance carrier partners. Um, insurance companies like to offer risk management services because it helps them um, ultimately control what they're paying out in claims. So when, when they write your insurance, they're going to want to help you operate in a safe manner and they will, they will send somebody out to work with you, take a tour of your facility and um, figure out any areas that you need to address. Um, Treat your workers' compensation as an ongoing program. It's not just a product that you purchase every year. Mm -hmm. there's, this, there's this misnomer which, um, that we educate our employers, our, our clients about, um, that shopping around every so often is going to be the best way to reduce your, your price, and, and it really isn't. The best way to do that is to control claims, and it, this really applies not just to workers' compensation but to other types of insurance mm -hmm. as well. But I think workers' comp tends to be the biggest focus area. Um, again, we talked about it earlier, culture and attitude of management um, is really key and can help incentivize employees. If they see that um, you as the owner or the business manager really care about the safety and well-being of their employees, um, it's going to help them focus on it and think about it more. So it really does sound like culture is one of the best ways to impact your rates, um, but also in terms of models of excellence from companies out there that you've seen that just do an exemplary job, uh, is culture really one of those key factors? Oh yes, absolutely. And I've seen I've seen the reverse of that. I've seen um, companies where it was not embraced at the top, um, and you have the people that are involved and meeting with us in the insurance buying process. They get it. They really embrace it. But if it's not coming from the top down. Mm -hmm. um, then the employees don't see that. Um, it, can, it can really work against you in some cases when, when employees learn um, the workers' compensation system. We've seen companies that have kind of a, a culture problem where um, the employees learn how to take advantage of the system. Mm -hmm. um, back to what Nikki was saying and how it ties into health insurance, you can't get better coverage than 100% 
workers' compensation pays 100% of your medical bills, and there's not a health insurance plan out there that I'm aware of right now mm-hmm. that's paying that. So um, if you're an employee and, you know, you're strapped for cash and you have uh, you hurt yourself significantly and you know it's going to be you have a high deductible that you have to meet and you you know potentially have thousands of dollars out of pocket expense just to get yourself treated well workers comp pays 100 percent so um, it is really it's something that you have to focus on that you have to really um, keep in front of your employees and just let them know that you care and and you want to keep them safe um, ultimately, I think people want to go to work and they want to have a job and they don't want to be sitting at home. So, um, yeah, culture and attitude is key. Could you speak a little bit about uh, what the impact of workers' comp is for companies that might have a fleet or fleet management? So if they have you know employees in vehicles on the road, you know, is there a difference between the vehicles? If it's just a commercial vehicle, I'm out driving around in my Jeep, or if it's an actual CDL, are there differences and you know, what should companies be uh, thinking about? Sure. That, no, that's a great question. Um, a lot of people don't realize that if you're in an auto accident and you're on the job, uh, such as a, a fleet, a, a tractor-trailer driver, for example, um, that is going to be a workers' comp claim. Your injuries that you sustain in that accident are going to be workers' comp related. And in a lot of cases, they can be they can be really big claims. Um, if you're severely injured in an auto accident, it can turn into a really big claim. Um, so that's all part of safety and risk management. Uh, develop a fleet safety program. We actually help companies develop written fleet safety programs that address things like wearing seat belts, um, handheld device, cell phone use while driving, uh, how to how to correctly get in and out of a big vehicle, um, having that three points of contact at all times, you know, so that you don't slip and fall out of the vehicle. We've seen. A lot of claims that way when there's when it's icy or it's wet, people just slip and fall. Uh, how to correctly load or load and unload a vehicle. Um, so there's a whole lot of things that go into that. But yes, that, that's absolutely important. Is if you are a type of company that has any kind of a fleet exposure or driving exposure, um, you really need to you really need to focus on on that. And it doesn't even need to be, you know, tractor trailers are the obvious example, but you think about a company that has a whole bunch of salespeople mm-hmm. out on the road and private passenger vehicles, you know, that's that's a huge exposure as well. They're spending a lot of time in that car and distractive driving is, you know, we all, all right. see it and some of us do it. You know, we, it's just something that you see and it's just becoming more and more. I mean, insurance companies are really struggling right now to kind of grapple with all the claims activity um, uptick they've seen um, on the auto side of things, which, again, if the person's injured, is going to come back to workers' comp as well. So for the iPhone users out there who just did the iOS update when it tells you if you're <laughs> texting and driving, um, it's a nice reminder <laughs> that you shouldn't be. Um, Nikki, Brandon, I really want to thank you guys from Murray Securus for coming in and talking about this subject. It's not an easy uh, topic to, to tackle in a 25-minute window, but you certainly did it, and uh, hopefully our listeners out there will have learned a thing or two. And if they have questions, uh, obviously call certainly call Murray Securus, but call, call their broker as well. Right. Um, and really, at the end of the day, we just want um, our businesses and our business owners and their HR directors to be informed as they're making these decisions that impact their bottom line, which ultimately leads to a healthier economy in your county. So you may think that we're wrapping up. We're, we're close to the end, but what we didn't tell you is that we do a lightning round at the end of this, so we do have some oh fun questions for you. Um, Nikki, we will not be asking you to sing unless you'd like to. <laughs> <laughs> that is a question. Okay, you're not answering. All right, so 
Very quickly, lightning round questions. We'll start with Nikki, and we'll just kind of ping pong back and forth. How's that? Sounds right. good. Guilty pleasure food. Chocolate. Brandon. Pizza. All right. If you were caught singing in the shower, what are you singing? Uh, Nicki Minaj. <laughs> Embarrassing. All right. Yeah, I'll go with that. Some sort of wow. Are you singing song. Nicki Minaj too? <laughs> this? They just get caught in your head and you can't get them out. Are you sure you don't want to sing? You are wearing no, headphones. No. You're three inches from a microphone. I will pass, but ah, thank you. All right. Pasta or meatloaf? Pasta. Meatloaf. All right. If you're moseying up to a bar, whether you drink or do not indulge, what's your favorite beverage? What are you ordering? Dirty martini. Oh, gin or vodka? Vodka. Up or on the rocks? Up. I would say an IPA. Beer. All right. Yep. Nicely done. Um, what is your hidden creative talent that no one knows about you or at least very few and certainly all of those listening do not know and now will? Oh, gosh. Do you know yours? Feel free to jump in. Uh, hidden talent. I, for years, used to cut hair. Um, I could, I could cut people. <laughs> I'd cut hair at, uh, when I was in the dorms in college. Uh, I had a lot of people that used to have me. Do you still have? I still have clippers. In there. I don't do it anymore. I, well, I, we yeah. could work on that. Brandon. <laughs> it's been a while oh for me. Ah, I got nothing. Um, I mean, I, I'm a good writer. I enjoy uh, writing. Nice uh, haiku. Not creatively, just <laughs> like I pick apart uh, the grammar on like mm-hmm. billboards and resumes and you name it. So you're the person that would tweet back at me and say that I <laughs> spelled your Y-O-R, why are Sadly, you yes. instead of not an apostrophe. All right. What was your first vehicle? Oh, gosh. Well, Jen can back this up because Jen and I used to cruise around together in this sweet ride. Uh, it would be a 89 white Chevy Cavalier. Oh, wow. <laughs> Two-door coupe? Or? That was a four-door. Okay, all right. <laughs> uh, I got you beat there. I, I had, uh, I don't remember the year, I want to say early 80s, but it was a Plymouth Horizon <laughs> um, yeah, hatchback, and I actually knew somebody at the time that had a dealership, and I got a turbo sticker and put it on it. So I, oh, I used nice. to have lots of people nice. pointing and laughing when I look in the rearview mirror. That sticker probably <laughs> up the resale on that. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> it was a good Horizon for that vehicle. That's Right. Didn't really last that long. <laughs> um, do you remember your prom theme or your senior year song? If you could attribute one song to your senior year in high school, what would it be? Uh, it, I think it was the Green Day. Uh, time of your time life. Of it, was uh, that everybody uh, is saying yeah. yes. now? Yeah. <laughs> I think maybe that's what it was. I don't know. Where'd you go to high school, Nikki? Dallas Town. I actually right. think ours might have been the same. Oh come on, song. really? It was, I, yeah, because that was the only thing that was coming to mind was that <laughs> song. I, I don't. Maybe that was exactly. just the one they played like during the video montage was, at the end. I don't even yep. remember to be honest. Maybe it wasn't. Mine but. was Pearl Jam's "Black," which was oh, incredibly nice. like sobering, but great song, but very depressing compared <laughs> to Green Day's. Sending you out, sending you out with a bang. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> Um, final question just for Nikki. Uh, again, eight months pregnant. Congratulations. Well, Almost like nine there. nine at this point, uh, yeah. Uh, you're you're yeah. edging in. So is there any uh, plan on naming your child Kevin? Sadly, no. Oh, no. Right. I thought we'd put you on the spot there. <laughs> All right. Well, Good can, try. Uh, it was worth a shot. Um, thank you guys again. Brandon, Nikki, thank you for Murray Secures for coming in today to talk to your County Economic Alliance. In this, another series of our podcasts, helping all of our businesses uh, protect their bottom lines and be conscious of them when dealing with workers' compensation. Thank you guys very much. Yep, thank you.
Thank you for listening to this edition of the Weiss EA podcast series produced by Bold Creative Media. For more information, visit us on our website at www.ycea-pa.org or call us anytime and talk to one of our experienced staff members at 717-848-4000. And always remember to start here.